Holy sunburn. This is Flight Check Season 2, Episode 27. I'm back, and we're back, once again, talking all aspects of FlyQuest. After a tough week and weekend for both the LCS and Academy teams. However, the show goes on, and we are not leaving. Uh, We're not effing leaving, as uh, Leo DiCaprio says in Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Sandy Toes, and to my left... Oh, it feels good to say this again. To my left and to my extra left are my fellow hosts, Noxwar and Curly Double Q. Fellas, uh, I need to know... What's the worst sunburn you've ever gotten? Uh, you know, and now Curly, I know you're you're like you've naturally got a bit more of a tan going on than either Knox or I. So maybe you're a little bit more exempt from this. But if you've got an answer, I'm interested to hear it. I mean, I'm in denial of the existence of sunburn when it happens to me. Hmm. Um, therefore, every time I have gotten one, because I've definitely gotten before, uh, once it's gone, I forget it ever happened to begin with. Hmm. So I cannot tell you for the life of me. However, I'm going to say that it's a 99% chance that it happened the third week of July, whatever year it happened. <laughs> <laughs> because that is when I go on vacation with my family, the same place every year. That's where I get a lot of sun. That's where I go swimming, where I basically walk around with only swim shorts on. So that's when it probably would have happened, whenever it happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like that. Good answer. Knox, how about you? So I have been burned multiple times, but I was a lifeguard for um, 10 years. I, so I, mean... I was always, always on top of like sunscreen and stuff. I'm not talking about burned, like, in, gen- in general life. I was meaning more for uh, general. Uh... <laughs> oh. Did you not say sunburn earlier? No, no, no this, uh, you missed the joke. This is one oh. of those over-your-head moments. I, you, you, said I've I, been burned, you said I've been burned multiple times, and I was like, no, I mean, oh, like, sunburn. Oh, oh, okay. oh, oh, <laughs> this is the start oh. of Knox Wars Joker arc. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I'm used to getting burned that way too. I've always been uh, no. yeah, easy target, so it's yeah. fine. Um, no, I, I I've never really been ever badly sunburned because I was a lifeguard for ten years, so I was always on top of using sunscreen and stuff. Uh, it it had to just have been one of the random summers I was lifeguarding, to be honest. Where it just long shift got to me and I got red, but like for me, it's nothing any memor anything memorable, just because I've always been burned all the time. Well, there you go. Well, I've had a couple memorable sunburns, uh, but I got one this past weekend. My entire back is uh, very red right now, so I'm just kind of like sitting here. And the worst part is the itching is starting to kick in, and so I'm just like, ugh, on my back the whole time. You, you, you sit up and your back's like straight and you're just like, I don't want to touch anything, please. Yeah, no. I've, it's been, I've been solely sleeping uh, on my side uh, this entire time. Uh, but speaking of uh, sleeping on things, uh, I think people slept on how good Team Liquid can be. Uh, mm-hmm. And they certainly showed this weekend... Uh, how good that they can be um, in this 
matchup, I will note the three games, games two through four, were just like... Nox, you and I were talking before. One of the games, I think you said game three, was a bit of a draft diff. But overall, games two through four were just absolute sub-30-minute stomps uh, where FlyQuest just got totally rolled over. And I think we need to be honest and acknowledge that, uh, that that's the case. But we are going to get into, you know, the games a little bit more, you know, uh, in detail. Uh, And I do want to point out that we did take a game off Team Liquid. This was not a... 3-0, 3-0, complete smash, FlyQuest never even showed up. We actually looked pretty good. And I will note, uh, I think it was, I have it in my notes, Game 3, the early game actually looked fairly decent. Uh, like oh, we were getting kills. It was not bad, but Games 2 and 4 uh, got stomped early in a massive way. <laughs> pretty disgusting, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, but we'll get into it. So let's start... Before we go into game by game, uh, Knox, just wanting to hear from you first, and then Curly, just like your overall thoughts on this series, trends that you saw, uh, like what were the things that really stood out to you this past weekend? Um, this was a series where, man, it's hard to put into words, uh, it clearly goes to show that Team Liquid is the best early game team in the league currently right now, which you can go look at their stats and that statement, like their stat, that, all the stats back up that statement, right? Um, yeah, just if you don't survive the early game against them, there's just no shot. And games two and four were perfect examples of that. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, Santorin looked really good. Uh, the Trundle was a huge problem for us. He was monstrous. Oh, he was monstrous. Um, and, uh, yeah, just couldn't really shut him down. I didn't feel like Bjergsen was a huge presence this series. He he was good, but he wasn't, like, taking over. Uh, but Hansama's uh, Draven was just truly uh, a horror to play against. Um, so, Curly, I mean, what were things that you you saw uh, that you want to kind of get into as we start to review the damage, make a uh, a damage assessment, if you will. I mean, before getting into any specific details, I think something that this series showed was the excessive, like, veteranship on TL side and how much experience in best of fives every player there has. Because mm. um, every player there has been in multiple best of fives has been in playoffs i would think most of them have won a um like their tournaments championship so they they know how to do this stuff they've been through it they know how to bounce back from a bad game like they had in game one and as i was re-watching game one it was still kind of a sloppy win from us like philip did look powerful and johnson was able to get a quadra at the end there were a lot of slip-ups and so it's like if you're able to take a game like that pretend it didn't happen, reset yourself, you get the next three games. And I think yeah. that was something that Teal really had on top of us because I know Aframu, he's been in his fair share of um, like best of fives and all that. Um, but Philip is new to it. Takui, he's had it in the LFL, so I'm sure like he's... And last year too. 
and last year too. So like he's or had, spring, yeah, yeah, spring. So like there's a little bit of experience amongst them, but not nearly as much. So I think that was one thing that contributed to it. But the biggest thing for me is I think that TL was able to identify our biggest strength in game one in Philip, or at least what seemed to be, and wanted to make sure that could never happen again, no matter what. Like a lot of, I think it was in game three in particular, where we go back to a little bit of the comfort. We have the Vi, we have the Aatrox, uh, we have the Azir. Like we're like, all right, this is just comfortable for us. Let's do it again. They say, all right, they made a good play, but Philip keeps pushing up bot too much. So let's just kill him twice and kill him again. <laughs> yeah. And then now he can't be that big Aatrox carry. So like, and part of that, I don't know if that's because he was targeted by them or if he just took all that confidence from game one and kept it with him the rest of the series. So that was like a major thing that I noticed the whole time. And then it's just, it also felt very uncoordinated. I don't know if there was too much pressure we're well, not too much pressure but like i don't know if the pressure might have got to them but it felt kind of like watching some of the moments back in lock-in where one player might go in and then another is like oh shoot we have to follow etc cetera, etc cetera. and that might just be the perception that might not have been the case at all but like just from not being in comms from watching how the players literally it felt like after game one we weren't really together mm. uh I think that's a lot of what might have made it difficult. Yeah. With the... Do you guys... I think uh, at one point in Game 2, it might have been a Zale who talked about, you know, getting stomped so much might have been a mental crusher for some of the younger players. Uh, Curly, I know you touched on this a bit, but do you feel like there was a bit of a mental boom uh, after that game two where Team Liquid came roaring back? Or did you not see so much of that? Because I think that's probably part of the discussion to have, it, and you can't really ignore that, is like, okay, had a tough game one, got crushed game two. Was there a loss of the mental edge after that game two? It's hard to say. Like, I think there's definitely a chance that there was... Um... A mental impact there because you have Han Sama going ten and one on the Draven. Um, you have the person who was just your big carry in game one and Philip going zero and seven and just uh, the only one having any like semblance of maybe being able to have a shot is Johnson, who I think in the last split has like you've seen him slowly become this silent. All right, I'll make sure I'm stable. I'll make sure I'll try to farm to make sure I'm still something no matter what's happening. So you see that, but overall it's like that hurts but i think something else that happens a little bit in game three is also draft i'm not calling it a pure draft diff but the amount of sustain on the side of team liquid mm -hmm. is absolutely absurd oh yeah you have a renekton who wants to get chunky and has built in like health like restoration like he can get a big heal and then he's going to go gorg drinker so he can get even more heals you have santorin on trundle which is another big i'm going to take your health i'm going to keep like dancing my health bar up and up and up you have swain who is <laughs> like <laughs> also a very big sustained champ where it's like all right if you sit in my um like swarm of ravens i'm going to just keep taking your life you know right. all that stuff 
Uh, and then you have Hansama on the Seraphine, which um, Knox like raised a really good point that apparently in a fight, that, that really long Baron fight, he was able to empower W seven times, which was 3,000 healing for the whole team. There's just so much to try and get through. Like, you have to get through five, like, five versions of one champion to try and get them down. And the only one that might have a chance to do that is Vi, if she can stay sustained in there. Um, and maybe even Azir, because Lucian is all about burst. There's no one you can really burst down. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think draft really hurt us there, too. That's fair. Uh, Nox, how about your thoughts on kind of the mental the mental aspect of the series? Do you feel like we kind of boomed after that game two, or do you feel like we still had it going? I, think it was, it, I don't think it was after game two. Game three, we had a lot of potential, and I think we were making really good plays around the map, actually. Mm. Um, game three, on the other hand, I, I think <laughs> uh, after, after kind of like the first, like, four to five minutes then the team just kind of went mental boom really quick right mm -hmm. um so I, I think by the end of that part it was just done uh but yeah not not, not after game two because game three game three was actually really really solid and we can get into it more if you guys want but game game three was just i did not like that lucian nami pick right uh you'd already seen four of team liquids champions at that point you already knew what the bot lane was because the <laughs> seraphine and nautilus had already been drafted yeah um i i just if you draft the Lucian Nami at that point in time, you basically set a win condition for yourself of we have to destroy this lane. If you do not destroy this lane, the game is like done later on because your main form of consistent DPS at that point just goes onto the Azir. And Tuke was doing work, but you still have to have a secondary form of damage, in which case Lucian's not able to provide that because all of his damage comes in bursts. And Seraphine, for the most part, pretty much negates that. Um. So yeah, I I hated seeing the Lucian Nami pick right there. I think if you have literally any like, I I, I think I called it out in the Discord. Uh, I think multiple people called it out in the Discord. Actually, it was like this is a Jinx angle. Pick mm. Jinx here. Jinx would have been great, and it <laughs> just went right through the draft. Like I I understand that Jinx is weaker now. Um, but you're playing Seraphine Nautilus in lane. Like you're not in any threat of being killed unless you really really mess up right so just farm it out um you'll have a higher better consistent dps you guys were having better map movements actually you were keeping up with team liquid in the early game which was actually really impressive because you did it in game one too just farm it out team liquid's not a good mid late game team anyway you will end up being better than them but instead we decided to somewhat match them in the early game and we hard lost so yeah, yeah. No, I think those are some good points. Let's get into game one. Let's start with the good. Uh, we did get a win, lest we forget. Uh, and let's start with Phillips Aatrox. Uh, in the kind of preview tweet I did earlier today, screen capped that solo kill on Bwipo, uh under turret. Good times. The Aatrox. Yeah. Just stop watching the series after that. Uh, yeah, there's no <laughs> need to. That's all you need. That's all you need to know. Really good stuff. Uh, really liked the coordination from the team that I saw. 
And the other really big thing for me in this game uh, was how objective-focused we were. I think we we basically got almost every objective uh, neutral-wise. So talking drags. I, I think we missed one Herald yeah. in that game. Just, but like, oh no, one Herald. But oh like, no, one Herald. Whatever. But we got we we got all four drags into Elder Drake, uh, Baron a couple times, I think, at least once. Um, but really, really good in in that sense. So this was a great game. I think there were a couple sloppy moments. Uh, one that comes to mind for me was right before the end of the game where Jose kind of goes a little too deep on the Vi, uh, and they, you know, they get him, obviously. But it's still like a 4v5 at that point, and we're still pushing into the base. But because it was a 4v5, we couldn't, and we had Elder Drake at the time, there wasn't a lot we could do, and it felt like we forced that a little bit too much. So didn't like that so much. However, rest of the game looked really clean. Uh, I liked the Vi. Uh, I thought, you know, Phillips Aatrox, we know what he can do on that. Uh, and, yeah, Johnson really cleaned up on the Aphelios. Uh Oh, I f- totally forgot to mention. If I'm being honest, I feel like MVP of the series for me is Johnson, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I felt like he was the top performer uh, throughout the series. We can get into that in a bit, but let's... Uh, let's go to Knox. I want to hear your thoughts on game one. What did you like? What did you not like? How do you felt like it transitioned us towards the rest of the series? I mean, I like the solo kill. That was really cool. We, we always love that, right? Um, outside of that, though, I think Team, Team Liquid was very clearly still waking up because they had moments in time where when they were on the map, they had like certain moments of tempo advantage, but they didn't capitalize on it, which is part of the reason why we had every objective. Like, whenever we had our uh, tempo advantages, we took them and we took objectives off of them, right? Team Liquid had times where they had a tempo advantage that could have denied us a Drake at some point or a tower at somewhere else on the map. And for whatever reason, they just didn't. So I was very happy because it seemed like, oh, damn, we, we're awake right now. Like, we're looking good. And at least during game one, I was like, okay, maybe I, maybe I can get excited a little bit. There's some possibilities this series. Um, so, yeah, at least in the game one, like, we are very on top of our tempo and being able to take advantage of it on the, uh, on the map. And I think we just showed pretty solid coordination overall. Um, so I don't think there was any, like, one particular individual who super impressed me. I think it was just very good team play, which really begs to differ, like, what happened in the last three games, right? So, yeah, but overall, I would say it was our team play overall for game one. I was very, very happy with how we looked. Yeah, would agree on the coordination aspect. Curly, what about you? What do you like in game one? Um, I also really like the just confidence of the whole team. I feel like we definitely are taking control in a lot of situations which I think is another major part of how we were able to get all of the Drakes, because we were like, all right, this is our map. We are, this is our game. We're going to run it. And then they have, um, like, even the final push into the base, that lawn fight, it's like, there's a good amount of teams that might just safely not, um, like, follow up, not go into the base and fight TL, but they were like, you know what? Let's go for this fight. And then they're able to clean up and end the game and give a quadra over to Johnson. So, like, 
that confidence and it's a lot of what we talked with um sharks last week where like the biggest strong suit of the team is when they play confidently together and that's what he wants to see from everyone and you could you could definitely see that coaching philosophy of like hey be aggressive be confident in this game oh uh, yeah i think that's good um i thought uh i want to specifically point out uh jose in this game i thought this was probably the best game he played <laughs> um of the series uh but i agree with that the and i want to double down on what i said about the objective control um i i actually think somebody said it might have been raz on the desk said this was our best game of the split i don't agree but <laughs> i think we've had better games uh but i still say this was a really good game by us in terms of that objective control in terms of that coordination um and not really i guess the best way for me to put it we didn't allow team liquid a moment to breathe in this game and as we'll get into in a bit when we're talking about tsm that's what i want to see more of next week literally in like three days uh when we play tsm so that's what i want to see more of is just kind of that stifling presence where we don't really allow team liquid to do anything on the map quick quick side tangent i I, and i have my answer for this but what do you guys think was our best game of this split oh you're really gonna make me think about that's a that's a tough one to think about um so i I, you want to give you my answer while you guys think then yeah go ahead absolutely i i think our best game this split was that second game against uh 100 thieves Mm. this split because I thought that was just so clean from us. Like, we just choked them out, and it was beautiful. Well, and that's what we can do when we're just on it, is we're so good when we can start stifling these teams out, when we choke them out from any objective play, from being able to make macro moves. When we can do that, we can beat any team in this league. Unfortunately, the issue, and I think this is a good move towards... Uh, games two through four, which I don't know about you guys, I, I feel like we could tackle those as a whole because they all kind of went. Yeah, the same, probably. They all kind of went the same way, uh, th- especially games two through four or two and four. Just got completely rolled in the early game, and very difficult to get a foothold or even find your way back uh, when you're so massively gapped early um game two team liquid has a 5k gold lead at 12 (laughs) uh game four uh they had a 2k gold lead at eight uh and these are the kinds of advantages that a team like liquid can just totally run away with uh so curly i went to knox first so i'll come to you on this one so games two through four I mean, what were the issues that you saw here? Because I feel like there's a lot to talk about, mm-hmm. but maybe like besides the early game, because the early game's the pretty clear issue in a couple of these games. Yeah. But what were some of the other things that you noticed that were problematic? I think um, another thing 
that really happens in games like this that did like it happened for us in uh, the regular split um is when we get behind we do one of two things um we either just kind of stay away as much as we can maybe farm up maybe make a play here or there oh no it doesn't work out we're just gonna sit down slowly and lose or which is some the next thing is something i saw a lot here we consistently do hail marys we're like all right let's do desperation plays let's be like there's like a 10 percent chance this play works out um or like let's just go for it let's try to make it happen Let's try to force picks. Let's try to get ourselves back into this game. And in game three, it kind of worked for a little bit because some of these Hail Mary plays, like, hell, that one really lawn barren fight that I referenced earlier, um, at first I thought we were going to get a lot out of it, but then the stain just won it, like, so much. So, like, that was a very risky play for us, and it looked good for the most part, but in the end it ended up being worse for us. And so, like... It's tough to say how I feel about that because on the one hand, um, if those work out, they get us back into the game. They turn the momentum around. They make it a world where it was a 3-1 fly quest, you know? Because, like, game two, I don't think there's really any recovery. It just, it just went downhill so fast. But games three and four, there were some moments where potentially you could have turned it around. And so, like, those desperation plays, it's like, it's good that they see they can have them. It just sucked that the execution was not <clears throat> there for it. So I think that was one thing. I think also, I don't want to blame a lot on draft, but when you have players like Santorin, who are known for champs, like uh, the Trundle in this case, you let it through once in a best of five? All right, that's fine. That means you're covering other bases. You let it through two games in a row? I think that's a bit of a bad draft, um, like, habit. And that's, like, something I would like to see cleaned up against TSM. I'm not worried as much about TSM, but surely whoever we face after them, assuming we win the best of five, we really need to be on top of our draft game because the tools you give yourself affect what you can do in the game. Yeah, and to, specifically on that point about Santorin and the Trundle, we banned it games one and two in the first rotation. Games three and four, we let it go, and they, A, they first picked it on red side. On R1, they take it, and they also took it on R3. Uh, so this was clearly a champ that they heavily prioritized, and... Should it have been something that stayed banned? Would this have changed the course of the series? I don't know. Could it have made things maybe a bit more... Maybe just changed the outcome a little bit? Possibly. You never know what a ban or a pick is really going to do to the draft. But, I don't know, Knox... Or, yeah, Curly, if you want to respond to that. In I, Game 3 in particular, I do think it makes a huge difference. But the unfortunate thing there is it's the first time we let it through. Because if right. Trundle's not there... It affects a lot of the early game because Santorin was just in control of that. But oh yeah, Knox, what were your? I know you had some thoughts on draft, especially regarding game three. Uh, I mean, we're kind of talking specifically about this Trundle letting it through in games three and four. But if you've got other thoughts on draft 
throughout the series. Let's hear him. This is your draft time to shine, if you will. Yeah, um, I still take more issue with the bot lane, but I already kind of ranted about that earlier. Like, long story short, I don't think Lucian Nami can punch through the durability and sustainability sustainability that is Seraphine. Um, in regards to the Trundle, I'm always game to just keep that ban from Santorin. He, it is far and away his best champion, always. Um, it pretty much prohibits our draft from being able to draft a tank in any way, shape, or form, which probably could have been a little bit better for uh, Philip towards the later end of the series instead of just constantly getting ganked and killed over and over again on the Camille and the Aatrox. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm always just... I'm game to totally have it banned 24-7 against Santorin. It's just, he's so freaking good on it. I think it's... The champ itself, even if it's Santorin not playing it, is just so stupidly good because of all the utility it brings and the just tanky shred that it has it's just so so much stuff that it has um so yeah i would have liked to have seen it banned do i think it really made that much of a difference in the games no i think that's just santorin as a player uh i think he just completely outpathed jose in games three and four and that just made trundle look even more strong than it already is no, no, I think that's good. Um, I mean, I, I just gotta say, there's a reason why I one-trick Trundle in uh, in when I'm playing solo queue. It's because no matter what meta you're in, he's always a good pick. It's time to troll, ladies and gentlemen. And certainly, uh, Santorin trolled us with this pick. Uh, let's look at the... Uh, I want to talk about the mid lane matchup a little bit here uh, throughout the series before we move on towards looking at TSM this weekend. Or uh, this week, it's literally in three days. But let's talk about the mid lane matchup, uh, Takui versus Bjergsen. Uh, once again, I don't feel like... Takui, like, never lost lane, right? He never got slammed by Bjergsen. Like I said earlier uh, in the show, Bjergsen never really, like, popped off for me. He never, like, was, you know, just going off. Uh, I think it was more about either Hansama or Bwipo or Santorin, really. But uh, it's still good to see that Takui's, you know, he's not losing, just outright losing lane, right? Uh, but looking at kind of the, just the match history here. So we had, had him on uh, the Azir and LeBlanc uh, kind of alternating. So Azir, LeBlanc, Azir, LeBlanc. Uh, but going into Syndra, Azir, and then Swain, Ari. So Bjergsen with just a touch more variety uh, than Takui did. I still feel like Takui did really well, but felt like there was a, just a bit of a... I'm just trying to, like, put my finger on, like, what it was that kind of prevented him from really... Caring, you neutralized him. ...carrying the team forward. Oh, yeah, I mean, if, you want, if you've got a thought on this, then I'd love to hear it. So, I mean, I, I've touted it all year long. You guys have touted it all year long. Um bunch of analysts have said it all year long uh tuke is a great mid laner 
in like laning phase specifically. I mean, and outside of laning phase too. But like in terms of this particular topic in laning phase, he's a really really good mid laner. The only people he loses to consistently has been JoJo, and then the next second closest person that pushes him has always been Bjerg. And I don't think Bjerg is ever at a level where he can punish Tuke like JoJo has, but. I think Bjergis started finding out that what ends up happening is, like, if I can just hold this guy in lane, Santorin can just have a field day in the top and bot lanes, right? Because a lot of uh, what Toop does is he enables his top side to survive or not get absolutely crumbled under, and sometimes even helps it thrive. Or in situations where you just need to let Johnson farm and breathe and, like, become a monster AD carry later on in the game, like, he can do that too. And I think Team Liquid was very smart in helping, and I'm sure Bjerg obviously had a lot of part of it, large part of it too, because Bjerg is Bjerg. He is a goat in NA for a reason. But they, as a squad and team and individual, realized, hey, if we can just hold Tuke in lane, he cannot roam, and then our bare minimum top three jungler in the region can just go wherever else he wants to go and affect the map that way, right? Mm-hmm. So, no. Tuke did not lose lane, which is great because Bjerg is a very, very good mid laner. But at the same time, I think at the end of the day, that's all Bjerg had to do was just make sure Tuke didn't win lane. <laughs> uh, Curly, any thoughts on this mid lane matchup? Um, I think another part of it is I noticed in the second half of the split that there were like teams started sending more early ganks to Takui than we were providing him with and I, th- I know that happened in a couple of the games or I think it was like definitely games two through four it's like in the laning phase Santorin swings by I think Core JJ is there too they get the kill under the turret they don't care if they trade one back they've given um, Bjergsen time to, you know, get a bit more of a lead and prevent Takui from controlling the lane. So I think that's another, like, subtle thing that's kind of just went unnoticed. And it's something we could probably, like, fix. Sorry, I'm up in your volume real quick. Uh, by about 10%. We'll see if that fixes anything. Uh, Lol, NA production. Lol. Uh, no, I just backed away from the mic a bit, and I was softer than I normally am. <laughs> lol, Sandy NA production. Uh, no, I think that was a really good point that... Oh, I wonder if there's almost a, an aspect to it. And this is pure speculation. I could be totally wrong. I wonder if there's almost an aspect to it where we are confident in... Takui's ability to stay even in lane or to just get ahead because I would say arguably he can just beat most of the mid laners in the LCS in lane. And because we've got a rookie top laner in Philip and a bot lane that at times has not been like the best but has looked pretty good this year, I will say. That the idea has been, okay, let's leave Tuke on an island, almost. So it's mid lane island, not top lane island. 
and Jose can focus down on ganking top, getting him ahead, or ganking bot lane and getting them ahead. And in scouting, teams have now recognized this and are saying, and at this point I'm just reiterating what you were saying, Curly, but in scouting, teams have recognized that and said, hey, they're not covering down on this guy because they think he'll just get ahead. So he's free free real estate, if you will, uh, if you can get him. So... I don't know. That's pure speculation. Do you all have a rebuttal for that? Knox, maybe you do here? So, okay, one more time. I will apologize. I was watching Big 3 0 Cloud <laughs> uh, Academy. Like, my own co host, not even paying attention Big Academy. to his own <laughs> podcast. I mean. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. What is this? Uh, this is going on the list of grievances to read uh, at the end of the year. My, my bad. It, fair point. Totally true. It, <laughs> right. it was the ending of the series. Huge upset, in my opinion. But please. Yeah. yeah. Totally. All right. I'll, I'll rerun it through. Uh, is there an aspect to it where the team figures Takui can hold his own in lane or just get ahead so we don't need to cover down on him, gank top, gank bot lane instead, and other teams in scouting basically say, hey... They're not covering this guy as much as they usually do. He's free real estate. Gank him instead. The jungle won't be there because he's focused on clearing his camps or being a present around, uh, being present around top and bot lane. That's pure speculation um, on my port on my part. But I wonder, is there any fragment of truth to that being possible? I mean, it's a fragment for sure. Um, I would definitely say. Tuke is typically very, very good about not letting himself get ganked. I mean, not that it hasn't happened, right? But, I mean, a lot of times, it's they're very, very hard ganks that get pulled off on him. And usually, when you're playing against FlyQuest, it's usually more advantageous to pull your resources to other parts of the map that is not mid lane. Think about it like um, risk versus reward, right? You're going to put a certain amount of time into mid lane kind of a high risk right because you're playing you're trying to gank someone who's typically very gank averse isn't very gankable usually and the reward is usually probably like a medium reward so it's like a high risk medium reward whereas say you try going top kind of a lower risk mm -hmm. and it's depending on which team's playing it's either anywhere from a medium reward to a high reward right it's just making the decisions of what you think is going to be best for your team to win that game and I think whenever you're playing FlyQuest, I mean, why not go for the higher reward with the lower risk, right? So uh, that's kind of my opinion on it. So there's some fragment of truth to it because there's times when Tuke does get ganked, and it is a good reward, but a majority of the time it's not really worth it for the opposing team. No, I think that's fair. All right. That, that was a good closing thought uh, to the... Team Liquid discussion. Do you guys have any final thoughts on the Team Liquid series before we move over to previewing uh, the start of our miracle lower bracket run? So, I will say, because I mean, all of us, I mean, minus Curly, Curly held the faith. 
<laughs> two of us. Called this exact call, and the exact. Uh, I, I called the exact three one, if you will. You did call the exact three one. I had a little more faith in you. I thought FlyQuest was going to be good enough to bring it to a game five, but the one thing that I do want to take away from this is that you and I didn't think they were going to win this. Curly did, but the point being is we're playing Team Liquid, who's a very very good team, right? They are a top three team, probably going to go to Worlds more than likely. Um, this is a lot of good experience for the guys to take away from. They are a very, very good team. They play way different in playoffs than they do in regular season because it's best of fives versus best of ones. Mm-hmm. The guys learned a lot here, right? They're just mm-hmm. gonna have a they're gonna have a lot of takeaways for when they come into this TSM match. So, even though I predicted a loss here, I'm not terribly upset with it because we did take a game. Was very happy in that game, and then game three looked good outside of the draft diff. I really, really do think we win that if it's a different bot lane that we have. So, taking all that into consideration, I think coming into TSM, the experiences that these guys had this past weekend and what they learned from it are going to do a lot, a lot of good, and it'll end up making a huge difference this Thursday and probably further on. There you go. Curly, any final thoughts on the TL series? I mean, honestly, to kind of reiterate... Um, what Knox said, like, even though I did expect to win here, and I was really, really hoping for it, I'm not terribly torn up about the Owls. Sure, it hurt the, like, just how decisive a couple of them were, um, but a lot of things that have just kind of given me good copium during all this is our fresh talk with Sharks last week, and how he was he said himself that if he could play 30 games in playoffs, he would. Like, he doesn't care that we as fans would go through so much, like, heart palpitations bringing <laughs> silver scrapes in every single match but he's like the more games we get the more experience they can get the better they will be so the fact that we were able to take that game off of them um was good because it showed we could do it and then even the three l's from there it's just it's three games to learn from of yeah. what to do and then or what whatever, not to do or what not to do <laughs> uh excellent all right we're gonna move over to the losers round one preview all right oh there it is there's the board uh i have put our names up there tsm versus FlyQuest. uh it's this thursday broadcast starts at 4 p.m i unfortunately uh, will not be able to i will be at work and uh, I will not Is see... Is your evening shift? Yeah, I will not be uh, able to see the results until after I get out at, like, 10.30. So, gonna be tough. Uh, man. I'll, I'll man the Twitter for you, don't worry. Excellent. Thank you for manning the Twitter. Uh, Alright, let's... Oh, let's get into it. Let's let's take it. You know what? We've got some time. We've got the time. Let's take it with a quick lane by lane. Uh, oh, Philip versus Solo. I take Philip. I take Philip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do. Uh, I take Philip here. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I take most of the team over their counterparts. I think I would still take 
Jose or Aspica over Jose just on a uh, individual level. But I take Takui over Maple at current level of performance, and I take the bot lane uh, at their at you know how it's going. So, and just knowing what we've seen about TSM, knowing what we've seen with uh, how our coordination can go. Uh, what we can do, we've beaten TSM. I think we 2-0'd them this split, if I recall correctly. Um, we did. So, to me, this should be a fly win, and I don't expect it to be difficult in the slightest. That's right, you are not getting pessimistic Sandy this week. I am <laughs> predicting the fly win uh, all weekend. Uh, so that is what you're getting from me, but I am open to discussing the scoreline because I feel like that's up to debate. Uh, Knox, what's your take on the lane-by-lane aspect of this series? I actually think top lane's a lot more even. Uh, I actually think Solo's been really, really good in lane, um, and actually somewhat out of lane, too. I really do think it kind of comes down to whether teams are giving their top laners resources or not. Uh, for instance, FlyQuest has not really been give, didn't really give uh, Philip any resources this past series, but weeks five through eight, he was actually receiving a fair amount of resources in those best of ones. Um, so, kind of depends on what FlyQuest wants to do, whether they want to try and play through top lane this series, which I mean possible it's i mean it's solo he's not an elite top laner but i don't think he's actually been that bad either mm. um on the flip end though you do have our bot lane which should theoretically have a much higher probability of coming out on top over instinct and uh time so there's a good chance that maybe FlyQuest wants to like hey we're gonna play through bot lane um so long story short though i i I'm going to say it's actually even in the top lane, but it depends on which team gives resources and which ones don't. Um, jungle, I agree with you. Uh, Spica is just a really freaking good jungler, man. Um, hopefully, Jose can match him and doesn't let TSM pull off any major moves in the early game and allows us to kind of like scale in the mid late. Um, Tuke, I do have over uh, Maple. I think Tuke should hopefully be able to get an advantage in the mid lane on not to be neutralized, be your like, yeah, I'm talking too fast. I believe Tuke should be able to get an advantage in the mid lane and will not be neutralized like Bjerg managed to do to him in this past series. Um, and then, like I just said, I believe our bot lane's better. So overall, I would say in favor of FlyQuest heading into this best of five. So forget the score line. Are you predicting the fly win this Thursday night? I, I am. It will be a hashtag fly win hashtag this Thursday. Fly. Come watch 4 p.m. Eastern. All right. Curly, uh, it's down to you. We're pl- slowly plugging in the board here. We'll get mm-hmm. to the scoreline later, mm-hmm. uh, but we're just starting with the basic series preview. So now it is down to you. You have been the optimistic one. All year long. Uh, And, you know, I think it's really your chance to be the optimistic one here. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, give it to me straight. Give me your lane-by-lane thoughts 
on this matchup? Um, so I will concur with Knox in the slightest about the uh, solo. He is a very solid laner. Um, he, to me, is that reliable mercenary where if you need a top laner out of nowhere, you call him, and you know you can probably make the middle of the pack if you got a good team around him. Maybe even better if you got a better team. Um, or in TSM's case, you at least make playoffs. Um, <laughs> but I think Phillip's young. I think he's hungry. I think he's better. Um, and also because so, <laughs> there's a small part of me that because in the interview um, after the last CSM game, Solo's like, I want to face FlyQuest in playoffs. I really want him in particular to get rocked just so he can be like, I wish I didn't say that. <laughs> like nothing against him as a player. I just think it's beautiful irony. Um, but I do think Phillip's going to be a better uh, laner or better matchup there. Um, I think if Jose Diodo plays to the performance that we have seen from him before, he can be on equal ground as Spica. I think Spica, despite how this split has gone for the team, has been a very stable part of his team, and I think he's still a really, really good jungler. Whereas on our side, it's like we have to admit that Jose Diodo, at least from, you know, the uh, eye test, has been the wavering part. Um, of our team and so like if we get back to some of the stuff we saw in spring where I thought he was very very stable for us and even the early split if we keep him on top of that he can be on even ground maybe even surpass Spica um, mid and bot lane it's no question we're just better than them we just need to make sure we perform that way uh, so I am confidently calling a fly victory on Thursday <clears throat> excellent there it is Confident fly wins across the board. Uh, but now I think we need to get into the specific scoreline. Mm -hmm. And I I will say, I know I just had a very positive take on this series, but I might have a bit of a controversial scoreline take as well. Uh, but Curly, we'll do this in the reverse order. So give me your thoughts on the scoreline and your justification for it, please. Um, 3-0. Because <laughs> uh, we're 2-0 to them for the split. Yep. In fact, actually, let's check the whole season. Have we even dropped a game to them this season? We, we did. We dropped one to them in spring. And then also one to them in lock-in. Nah, lock-ins. Whole different timeline. Meh. But hey, you guess what team... Here's the thing. We were technically a different team in spring. So this team hasn't lost the TSM, and they're not going to lose now even if some of the games look sketchy. It's true. It's true. All right. Knox, uh, your turn, my friend. I'm going to go with a 3-1, and the one game is just going to come from Spica being an absolute Chad in the jungle. He's just so good. There will be a game where he pops off, but he's not good enough to carry the rest of that team for another three games. So one, one game because of Spica, three games because we're just a better team. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, I'm actually going to concur with, concur with you, Knox, and put it at a 3-1. It's just a safe prediction, uh, statistically. I think I think it'll still be a very dominant series. I don't want the 3-1 to sound like I think we will, you know, it, it'll, it's not going to be a close 3-1 by any means. I fact, in fact, I think I'll go so far as to say the three wins will be fairly dominant, and the one loss will be a close loss. Uh, I don't think this is... TSM really has what it takes to put together 
a competent playoff team right now. I don't think they have what it takes whatsoever. Uh, FlyQuest should be comfortably heading into the next round uh, to probably play Cloud9, which would be very interesting. Uh, an interesting matchup, uh, to say the least. Uh, so, but we can get into that. I do want to, while we're talking about, uh, you know, all of playoffs right now, there's three other series uh, this upcoming weekend. I want the quick uh, predictions from you guys. So we'll start with Golden Guardian CLG, uh, then we'll do, then 100 TL, and then EGC9. Give me your pick and the scoreline for each of them. We're clocking it in right now on the show live. Give me your call. What's it going to be? I'll even yeah. start if you guys want. I'm yeah. ready to go with this. Yeah, give it, give it to us. All right. It's going to be a CLG 3-0. Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a 100 Thieves 3-2. Uh, and it's going to be an EG three one. That's what I am going with uh, this weekend for my picks. In addition to the FlyQuest three one, uh, that is the call. Lock it in. Uh, what do you guys have for me? I'll go next. Yeah, um, I'm going to say CLG three one, um, just because I feel like they'll do a little bit of trolling because you know they have to have that name. They uh our counter logic mm. and they might drop a game to gg um <clears throat> i think it's going to be an eg 3-0 i don't think c9 can take a game off of them if i'm being really honest um and that's a major part of why i think we will be facing them in the losers bracket uh as for 100 thieves tl i'm going to completely agree with you there 3-2 because i think the only thing 100 thieves likes to do uh, for 3-0 is finals. They've done that every time they've been in it. Uh, otherwise, they really like going 3-2 to, uh, to Team Liquid. So, All right. yeah, Nox, bring it. Um, CLG versus Golden Guardians. 3-0, baby. Let's clean it up. Palafox, my boy, is going to pop off. Um, Cloud9 versus EG. Sorry, Cloud Nine. You're you're getting you're getting bopped. It's a three zero in favor of EG. Uh, EG looks so damn good right now, and basically Cloud Nine just <laughs> y'all struggled through CLG. And CLG is a good team, but like y'all should not have been struggling that hard if you're gonna want to ha- stand a chance against EG. Um, and then lastly, TL Hundred Thieves. I'm gonna go Hundred Thieves three uh, two. These teams constantly go back and forth all the time. I don't see why they won't right now, um, but I think at the end of the day, 100 Thieves and their uh, synergy is going to end up clutching it out. So we'll end up getting an EG 100 Thieves upper bracket final. We'll end up playing Cloud9 next, I believe, if I understand the bracket system. And then CLG will end up playing Team Liquid uh, after that. I like it. Uh, I have a Gigabrain five-dimensional chess not quite a conspiracy theory but here's my out of this world theory on how FlyQuest makes worlds and I'm about to sneeze so hang on and now I'm, I don't have to sneeze because I said it out loud I manifested the <laughs> not having to sneeze time. you've done it every so many time. times I, I just say it and then I never have to sneeze alright 
we beat TSM. Easy. And CLG beats Golden Guardians, right? So, and then if, if everything goes to, like, the way people think it will, Cloud9 drops, Team Liquid drops, right? So you've got us versus Cloud9, CLG versus Team Liquid, right? Staying with me. Pretty straightforward. No big deal. I think we can beat Cloud9. I... I think they're a lot easier than Team Liquid was. I think they're a very beatable team. I think it would be a close series, but I think it can happen. I also think CLG can beat Team Liquid. I think that can happen. I also think (laughs) that we can beat CLG. So if it ends up being us versus CLG for the final world spot, I think it happens. I think there's a world where it occurs. And it winds up being EG, 100 Thieves, FlyQuest. <laughs> Sandy. You're going too far ahead, my man. I, Let I, us get through TSM and like, like talk about the C9 bracket like next week. I am... we start getting to the world, bro. I have examined... 14 million possibilities, 14 million scenarios in which this bracket plays out. And in how many of them did we make it to Worlds? Just one. I think statistically that's not how that works. I'm referencing Avengers. I know you're referencing (laughs) Avengers, man, but I don't even think there's like a hundred scenarios in the bracket. Uh, You know. Be that as it may. Uh, 14 million scenarios. And how many of them did FlyQuest make it to Worlds? Just one. And this is the one. We beat Cloud9. CLG beats TL. We beat CLG. That's how it happens. Then what and... about when we face 100 Thieves in the lower bracket finals? Oh, I don't care about that. At that point, we've made it to Worlds. You know, I, I do. Uh, I want to so... see, see Afro move on the... Well, actually, wait. No, it's lower bracket finals. They so... would be at uh, Chicago anyway. When we're locking in worlds on a sunday september 4th uh don't at me because uh you know i'll just take i'll just take it all for myself so uh you know <laughs> all right you know me i'm the hype guy but that was it it's just uh you know it, sandy has to make up for because he wasn't here last week so yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah, taking yeah. a little bit of your hype it's true all right uh, moving back over to uh, the more uh, the more uh, based takes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the non hype takes. takes, the non hype takes. Uh, Academy, we have to touch on this. Dropout uh, in proving grounds, tying for seventh. Tough ending uh, to the season for sure. Dropping to one hundred thieves Academy in a best of three, two one. Uh, it felt uh, close. It wasn't, like, a stomp by any means, um, but probably, I would argue, definitely not what they wanted uh, for the end of their season. Nox is our uh, resident Academy expert. Uh, I know you watch this series live. I watched it while at a concert, actually. I was watching it, like... <laughs> you were literally in between mosh sets, and you were checking in. <laughs> well, like, one band ended... And I was like, cool, uh, I've got, like, 45 minutes until the next band I want to, like, get in the mosh pit for starts. I'll just pull up the uh, the Academy series. So I did. 
Uh, I think I watched game two, and then I couldn't watch game three, unfortunately. Uh, so you, you you saw the one good game. I saw that's the one good game. That's all I that's all I needed to see. I'm just ignoring everything else that happened, uh, turning a blind eye to it. Uh, but talk to me about this series. Uh, what was going on for you? Who stood out? Uh, what are you you know What are you happy about with the way this season went? Maybe just like an overall take on this academy season, I guess. Um. Yeah, because if I'm being honest, I, I didn't get the ch- chance to re-watch the series. So I, I vaguely remember, like, major points, but nothing to, like, truly concretely talk about. Um, the series itself was actually a solid series. Um, I, I think I wrote in our Discord, or at least in our private uh, message chat earlier, that this series was kind of like the FlyQuest versus CLG one back in Week 7, where while we lost, the game was, like, really, really well played. Um, this series for us was actually really, really well played too. Just 100 Thieves came out on top. Um, so I'm actually proud of how the boys did. Um, I think more than anything, it just really blows that upper bracket. We run into a surging Dignitas Academy, who is in grand finals now, by the way. Utterly absurd. I, I would like to see anyone who put Dignitas Academy in the grand finals of their brackets. I Props to you if you did, but I, I doubt you did. Um, and then, of course, we just happened to run into 100 Academy in the lower bracket, who, before this tournament, I considered the second-best team in Academy. So, some really, really unfortunate matchups, in my opinion. Um, but I think the guys really showed up. They looked solid. Um, and I think, overall, the year was really a big success. Like, I know the seventh-place finish in Proving Grounds isn't a good look, right? Um, tech is even in spring, we made it further. We made top six, right? Um, but I think UG has developed wonderfully. I think Spyrax's glow up this uh, summer, particularly, has been awesome. Uh, I think Diamond is continuing to be a great leader for the team overall and being a just great voice of, like, hey, follow me. Here's how things should be done. Um, I think Kumo has actually still looked very, very respectable in Academy. Um, I don't know what his plans for next year are going to be or what FlyQuest has in store for him. Um, but I would actually, I don't know if it should be on our team or on someone else's, but I would actually still like to see him in the scene. I think he's still really, really good. And then lastly, Tomo uh, still shows that he's got it. I think with 2023 coming up and lots of rumors of like teams taking budget cuts and all sorts of different stuff, I would not be surprised to see a team reach out to Tomo to have him be brought up to the LCS next year. I really, really, truly hope that he gets that opportunity. So at the end of the day, I think Academy for the guys this year was a huge success. I know the results weren't there, but the gameplay was. And I couldn't be happier with that. So I'm really, I'm really, really proud overall. No, I agree. And I'm excited to... I'm excited to see what the opportunities look like for our Academy players next year. Definitely Tomo. I'm excited to see what the opportunities look like in the UG realm, perhaps. Uh, You know, could be interesting. Um, I feel like, you know, Spyrax, both the mid-jungle, I feel like maybe there's a little bit more development there uh, necessary, but I think there's some good things there. We've got some good pieces that we're sitting on. Definitely interested to see what happens with Tomo in the offseason. Um, maybe more teams take a chance on some NA talent uh, that's just been kind of sitting around, waiting for their opportunity. 
Tomo has proven that he can go to LCS and clean up before. Uh, so still holds the record for the most damage done in first ever LCS game. There you go. So, uh, Curly, any any thoughts on Academy from you, my friend? I hope I can watch it next year. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, and the final thing that we just want to briefly uh, touch on tonight, I I want to emphasize before we get into this, we have like no info on this. I've not heard any, like, leaks. Oh, here comes the sneeze. Maybe not. We've got no leaks. The sneeze uh, is just baiting you. It's, it is baiting me. Maybe he's baiting us. Maybe I'm baiting you all. Uh, maybe it's a bait within a bait. Uh, baitception, if you will. Um, I've heard no leaks. Uh, I don't have any insider info. I don't think these guys do either. But there has been plenty of talk about teams that might sell their LCS spot. And FlyQuest is an org that, for some reason, consistently comes up in these discussions. And people point to things like, oh, uh, Trisha left. Oh, you know, their head of content, Tricky, left. Okay. People leave orgs all the time. That There's nothing new there. Uh, there's plenty of other orgs in this league that have way less of a social media presence, do way less in the league, do way less in their community, etc., and nobody talks about them as a possibility for leaving. But I really want to specifically point out today, what was it? Four people got announced. Five. Five people got announced uh, in the FlyQuest Discord uh, as new hires. We had an HR person get hired, new community you manager. Want, you want me to read them off? Yeah, do it, please. So, new additions to the FlyQuest family. We have Rocky, funnily enough, replacing Tricky, uh, or Ricky, his actual name, as right. head of content. We have Christina, who, uh, while not tagged in the announcement, actually just came in literally during the recording of this podcast. So if you're listening to this later, go say hi to her and hashtag General of Likewise Discord. Um, we have Justin, our new HR manager, um, as well as Kamal, who's actually been in the Discord for a little while, but he's also the brand new office administrator. And then last but not least, uh, we have a brand new wonderful community manager who's actually been in our Twitch chat all night, and I would love to shout her out. Uh Actually, I haven't heard her name pronounced out loud, so Sonica? I'm going to say it two ways. Uh, Sonica or Sonica? One of those two. Hopefully, uh, I can get corrected. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> oh, she's telling me to shush. Anyway, um, very lovely people. Uh, come say hi to them into... Uh, come say hi to them in the FlyQuest Discord. Um, they're going to be, uh, hopefully, great, great representatives for the squad, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah, dude, we love having just team expansion in the org, and then also I think my favorite thing about the whole Rocky Ricky thing is just it welcomes that meme. <laughs> Fly or the community, can we have Ricky FlyQuest? We have Ricky at home. Ricky at home. Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> now this de- not to disparage Rocky. I'm sure he does fantastic content, and looking forward it's to seeing what he makes. Just a he, but the, but the meme just writes itself. Uh, so with all that to say, and now I can finally change the topic to uh, 
what I'm about to say here. We're not leaving. Why would we hire all these people when literally all we do in esports is a League of Legends team and an Academy team and two Smash players? Why would we sell the spot and just run two Smash players but also have all these new hires? It literally makes no sense. They're not selling. So stop talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. They're not selling. Uh, it literally would make no sense for them to hire all these people and then sell the org. It's ridiculous. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with the speculation. Uh, you know what? I, I actually... I, I was listening. I, uh, I was catching up on podcasts. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna make some people uh, out there angry. Hundred Thieves, they have not done any League of Legends content lately. Uh, they didn't show up to the they haven't shown up to the LCS tailgates apparently. They they've basically been like fairly quiet overall on the League of Legends front. Maybe they're selling. <laughs> you know, like this is the level of context people are using. To determine who's gonna sell and who's not, but maybe Hundred Thieves is selling. They don't. They don't seem to care about their League of Legends team, who's literally one series away from Worlds. So, you know, that's wild. That's basically it. So, uh, here's some other eligible ones. I know Nox just said in chat, I, "Immortals has announced doing a full team rebuild, just like CLG." So they might not be selling. Dignitas is a good possibility. I'd say uh, my front runner based on Dig would be my front runner, but yeah. then another interesting one is uh, Golden Guardians. They're not going to sell. They just opened up a brand new training facility. Uh, why would they be? Why would they be focusing on that if they're looking to sell? So. FlyQuest isn't selling. The only team I could see possibly selling is Dig, uh, and that's about it. There's also that weird timeline where TSM somehow managed oh, yeah. to get a spot in the LEC, so therefore they're just open. I actually the, think TSM could no, sell. Yes. I actually think TSM <clears throat> is legitimately a sleeper to sell the slot. But, I would love to see Misfits buy the slot out from him because I'd like to see Misfits still be in the league scene. I did hear that rumor. I don't think it's going to happen. No. From what I've heard, they're looking more towards transitioning to like influencer-based content. Uh, the rather first than, mist- oh wait, mist- rather than yeah. uh, fielding esports teams. So, gotcha. all right, but that's that's it. Uh, we're not leaving. It's not helping. Uh, so yeah. TSM, they could leave. Dig, they could leave. I don't think anyone else would leave right now. S- should some orgs leave? Boop. Maybe. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes there. All right. That is all uh, that I've got to say. Do you fellas have any final topics for us to talk about before we wrap up the show? I mean... All I'm going to say is, like, you, that rant there reminded me of playoffs. Playoffs? playoffs. <laughs> Don't talk about playoffs. 
uh, same energy, man. Yeah. But yeah, Road is uh, talking about the playoffs jersey, so we are oh, going to yeah. talk about playoffs. Like, damn, Fiend with another freaking banger popping and off. If there's, if one there's of the, one, probably one of the best jerseys uh, this year, easily. It's really, really good. Like, I'm wearing the spring playoffs jersey. There's yeah. something about when we go dark mode that is so cold and it's so it's cool. And I like like the little patterns that are in both of these jerseys. They're just so good. They're so good. I love it. Like, if there's one other reason, like, aside from the hype for FlyQuest as an org and, like, loving the players, like, if there's another reason you need to want them to get to Worlds, it's because that means we get another jersey, guys. We get to give more money to Fiend. It's true. It's <laughs> so, true. like, come on, man. It's free. There you go. I'm just thrilled uh, to have the swim trunks now. I got surprised by them. Uh, oh, nice. Because apparently, apparently uh, my current swim trunks aren't very cute. And I showed her those. I was like, they're kind of expensive, though. And then she's like, you don't have any swimsuits. So I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of expensive, though. And next thing I know, I had them a week later. I was like, you okay. And, you and me both. I uh, I bought a new pair of swim trunks literally for this beach weekend uh, that I just had. And then I think like a day or two after I bought them, FlyQuest dropped the their swim trunks, and I was like, like oh, are you kidding? I just dropped 60 bucks on swim trunks. So, Did you keep the receipt? Uh, they're actually really nice swim trunks, if I'm being honest. <laughs> okay, fair, fair, fair. I live in the Great Lakes area, so I've only got, depending on how it wants to behave, like maybe three weeks of swimming left, so I will get them before they are out of the shop. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Or next year. For next year. Uh, Knox, any final topics before uh, we wrap up tonight? Uh, let's see. 100 Talk Pod is actually... I just saw the notification pop up. Watching 100 Academy beat FlyQuest Academy. So I'm going to probably go give them some funly jabs here in a little bit after the show's done. Yeah, we'll so hit that. shout out to 100 Talk Pod. We'll go, hit that go give them a, for sure. Yeah, go, go give them a couple friendly pokes. Uh... They they play Team Liquid. They need some love and support anyway, so because that's gonna be a tough matchup no matter what. Other than that, uh, like I said, come support all the new staff that just came in today. Like, give them some love, give them some support. Uh, I'm excited to see what they end up doing. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of Flight Check. Uh, LCS playoffs continue this week. FlyQuest takes on TSM this Thursday. Broadcast starts at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And then there are best of fives every day this weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. An absolute ton of playoff content. Not only that, but you've got LEC uh, playoffs begin this oh, I weekend. God, LEC starts too. Dude, holy crap. Yeah. It's a good time to be a league fan. It's a good time to be. It's that time of year, baby. LPL playoffs uh, are going on right now. Uh, LCK playoffs have, they've determined their grand finals matchup. I don't know if that's this weekend or the next. They might have, yeah, a, I think like, it's next weekend. They always have like a two week break. Yeah. yeah they, they have a long break, but that matchup T1 versus Gen G is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, and look, there's only one good place that this community likes to chill, uh, when it comes to talking about League of Legends and it's not Reddit. It's Twitter, so be sure to follow us on Twitter for all of our instant reactions and thoughts. You can catch the show 
at FlightCheckCrew. Uh, myself at SantosDB. Nox at Noxwar with two R's. And Curly at Curly underscore double Q underscore. Uh, make sure to hop into the Flight Check Discord as well, where all kinds of esports discussion and otherwise take place. And if you missed any part of this episode, the VOD will be up here on Twitch, as well as on YouTube uh, later tonight or tomorrow morning. If you're watching that and would like to catch the show live, we broadcast the episode usually every Monday night, usually at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at twitch.tv slash flightcheckcrew. Knox, any final notes, shout-outs, or plugs before we wrap up? Shout-out for the smooth transition into plugging your Twitter handle. That was that was pretty slick. Thank you very much. Curly? Yeah. yeah um, I think another thing, like, I'm going to add on to my shout-out to Fiend and uh, Doggos for designing my newest edition back there. Uh, the summer jersey because like when I put it on I was like oh I'll just do a quick um, like pick and then I'll go to work and then I'm like wait this might be the most like street wearable jersey so like honestly it's a great jersey and it's good for wearing anytime so there you go. 10 out of 10 uh, my shout out this week uh, is going to go to these guys for covering down for me uh, last week when I could not make it on the show Greatly appreciate uh, these guys. Curly's excellent hosting abilities uh, and Knox bringing in the hard-hitting questions, as usual, whenever we've got an interview. He writes up all the questions for us, if in case you didn't know that, uh, and he always brings interesting topics to bear when we've got guests on, so thank you to these guys for doing that. Uh, and that is about all that I've got. So, we'll be back next week to discuss the entire second round of LCS playoffs. So for now, stay safe out there. Don't forget to hit the head on the nail. And we'll see you all very, very soon. Adios! Have a good one, guys. Peace, y'all.